The following program is produced by Rosado Marketing. The views and opinions of the host and guests are not necessarily those of this station. Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. Nevada Real Estate Radio has helped thousands of listeners make the right decisions when buying homes or refinancing. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio. This is Peter Padilla, pleased to be with you today on a very nice, cool day in my favorite state, Nevada. Wow, I am loving it here today. There's snow on the mountains and great weather for the coming ski season. You know, people think that housing and real estate slow down during this time of the year, but that's not always the case. In fact, some of the great deals to be found are in the winter in Nevada. Why? Well, there's less competition. There's less people thinking they have to go out and outbid the neighbor for the house that they're looking for. And when there's less activity like that, it's more likely that you can find the home that you want. People talk about a housing shortage, in fact, because they can't find the house that they're looking for. What do you need to do to accomplish that goal? You need to deal with industry experts, and that's what we do here on our radio show. We invite the experts so that you can hear what they're saying and what we're talking about in Nevada real estate. Today's no different. I have a great team of experts in the studio. First of all, Lou Carr is with us, and Lou Carr is a mortgage lender and the branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. Welcome to the show, Lou. Thanks very much, Peter. It's great to be here. I always love to be on your show, and I think we've got a great show today. Going to be outstanding, Lou. Before we get rolling, though, I want to let our listeners know that you and I had a chance to visit at the Reno Real Estate Investors Club. That's held monthly at the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. And there was a great speaker last night, Ken Amundsen from Keller Williams Group One. He was loaded with information and data. Yeah, um, Ken is just a wealth of knowledge all the time. It, it's it's definitely a passion for him. You can see it in the way he presents uh, um, real estate statistics, and and I just really enjoyed listening to him. It was a great evening. Yeah, and I like the the fact that he shows what the real estate market is doing. In different ways from your typical research departments, all sorts of different charts and graphs comparing activity versus sales versus prices and the trends looking back before the mortgage meltdown. It's a great way to really know what the real estate industry is doing when you attend these meetings because you get to hear again from different viewpoints and people that actually are focused on making money in the industry, real estate investors. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that was something that, that I kind of consciously was aware of last night is that, you know, in that in that format, you really have a, a, an expert who's presenting to people who are pretty knowledgeable about the business. I mean, there's a lot of people. I, there are new people in there and new people should feel welcome coming there. Um, but you are, you know, there's a lot of people who do a lot of uh, real estate business in the area, and Ken is somebody that they look up to. So it's just a great evening to, to gather information about real estate. And last night was good, too, because we had guests from outside of the local area. We had a gentleman that I invited from Walnut Creek, California. He's a real estate investor himself, and we've been talking with him about all the great things going on here. And He took the time to drive over and visit our fair city and the club. Then I had another gentleman that we invited from Truckee, California. He's a realtor there and does some investments and second home business. 
he showed up, and it was great to get impact from them. The nice thing about the Investors Club is that every member gets to introduce themselves and then talk about wants, needs, and what they're looking for from the meeting. So it's just a really great learning experience. And, of course, the pizza is great afterwards. <laughs> That's right. And there was a, the group of uh, young gentlemen in the back there that, you know, and they, they told everybody, hey, we're brand new. We're just trying to <laughs> we're just trying to absorb all the information we can. And yeah. that's a great place for somebody like that to do that. Yeah, it's really it's very heartening to see that because before they chunk out that big money, they're going to get all the information that they can get educated. Right. So it's awesome, Lou. I'm glad you're with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Also with us today, we have an attorney. Her name is Alicia Johnson. She's with Johnson Law Practice. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Peter, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our chat today. I am too, because we had a chance, you and I, to meet in person not long ago, enjoy a little cup of coffee and talk about the business. And what I like about you and your practice, Alicia, is that you really do practice real estate law. There are a lot of attorneys that, you know, they have a, a wide menu of things that they do. But real estate is specific and focused. Real estate has a lot of emotion in it as well. And that's where I would think family law comes in. You do that too, right? I do family law, yes, as well. And um, you're right. There's a lot of emotion in buying a house and owning mm -hmm. a house and yeah. in selling a house. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a lot of emotion, obviously, in family law, which is right. probably why I like real estate law a little bit better than the family <laughs> law side. Um, but, I, it, you know, I do do both and they mm -hmm. do intertwine because a lot of times when you have a divorce, mm -hmm. people are selling their, their primary residence their, um, and sometimes other residences as well, vacation homes and that kind of thing um, to equally divide the proceeds. I have a good friend who says that she has a saying about employees. She says very often, I hire employees and they're different after you hire them. They're not, they don't live up to the expectation. Generally, she says, when that happens, I'm saying to myself, you're not the employee I hired. Well, when it comes to getting married and somebody's going through a divorce, suddenly your spouse can seem like a whole different person. There is a lot of similarities between employing someone and marrying someone <laughs> <laughs> and hiring and firing people and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> entering into a marriage or leaving a marriage. Uh -huh. So mm -hmm. absolutely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the legal profession and why you like to focus on real estate. Well, I started to think about law school uh, toward the end of my undergraduate um, schooling, which I went to Gonzaga University for undergrad. And I just, I was a PR major and an English minor, and I really liked, you know, writing and I liked um, analysis and I liked that. I was drawn to those things. And somebody had suggested to me that, well, have you ever thought about law school? And mm -hmm. um, I hadn't really. There was no lawyers in my family. Um, and so I started looking into it. I took the test. I applied. I got in. And I thought, well, this, this seems like a good direction for me. And um, I really did enjoy law school. I went to Seattle University. Um, and then when I graduated, I started working for um, a, a gentleman who was a solo practitioner up in Kirkland, Washington. Mm -hmm. And uh, he primarily focused on real estate law. And so I, it was a great opportunity for me because I did get to see a lot of transactions go through his office. Um, he also had an escrow business, which he ended up having me run. 
Um, and I did all the escrow closings that went through his office, which was also a great experience because I got, you know, to see from the beginning to the end how, how the real estate transaction works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is a HUD-1? Um, you know, what is title insurance? What does that all look like? So um, I had great exposure there. Plus, you know, we just did a lot of, there was litigation, there was, you know, a lot of issues surrounding uh, real estate. And so I had some great experience doing that. Um, and then I, I moved back to Reno um, because this is where I grew up. Uh, brought my husband back with me. He's not from here. And uh, then I started working for a firm in Carson City, um, and they did a lot of real estate law as well. A lot of um, you know deeds of trust, promissory notes, um, you know private private loans into investment properties, that kind of thing, where you're putting the large group of people together into one loan. Um, where there's various percentages and the, you know, and then what happens when that loan then defaults and then you have to figure out how are we going to foreclose and mm-hmm. you've got all these different moving parts. So um, I did a lot of um, th- those kinds of issues mm-hmm. as well. Sometimes people get worried that if a lawyer is involved, that a project is going to get over-lawyered. I think that causes some people to forego getting the counsel, the advice of an attorney when they really need one. You know, people say, "Well, maybe my deal's a little small. It's just a just a duplex that I'm buying. Somebody might have an eightplex or a twelveplex. Does it seem like the bigger deals, those are the ones that really need that extra focus sometimes protection? I, I would say every deal should have uh, an attorney look at the documents mm-hmm. um, because I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me. And, you know, something has happened and I look through the documents and I say, well, here's the problem right here. This language does not help you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had had me look at this document before you signed it, Mm -hmm. you know, we could have fixed it. But now you're stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I I don't want to kill deals. I mean, that's that happens. And I think a lot of attorneys come in and they're just like, no, 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 no. And it has to be this or you shouldn't do the deal. And um, I try really hard when I'm reviewing contracts not to do that um, Mm -hmm. and try to make sure that the deal works and just, you know, tweak language and make sure that it's not all one-sided because a lot of times the deals are super one-sided. Yeah, they can be. Mm -hmm. My job is to try to, you know, give and take a little bit, you know, make sure it's not a one-sided deal. It wasn't long ago that we had, uh, of course, during the mortgage meltdown and the housing crisis, a lot of people had such bad credit or bad results after going through the housing crisis, they had to become renters again. And then they had to look for other options like lease options. Those can get complicated, can't they? Do you look at those kinds of things? Do you have experience working with those? Yes, I've prepared many lease option agreements for people. And they don't have to be very complicated, <laughs> mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I, it's really just a matter of coming to the terms and memorializing them. And yeah. um, I think it gets more complicated when people want to do things like um, – uh, a contract for deed where you record it and then it's payments over time and you don't actually own the property until all the payments are made. And those tend to get a little more complicated. I think the lease option is a better way to accomplish basically mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. I've seen some of those deals, including some typical real estate transactions from very creative real estate agents where they include a car in the deal or the furniture in the deal or a goat you ever seen the goat deal, Lou? No, I, I can't, can't say that I've seen that. No, but I have seen some creative ones. But I do think – I actually also think lease options can be an awesome way to go. And I think the biggest mistake people make is they don't they don't negotiate a strike price 
at the time they're initiating the contract yeah. and they just say, well, we'll just do market value. Mm. And that's, yeah, and you're leaving everything open to interpretation, you know, because the buyer is going to think it's a different value than the seller down the road. But Yeah, and who's know. to say that the circumstances are the same at the time of the execution right. of the purchase? If the price goes right. way up, the buyer might not be able to afford it. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. Those things have to be laid out ahead of time. But but they can be great <laughs> transactions, Peter. You mm-hmm. remember one that we actually both uh, uh, were involved in mm-hmm. a year or so ago that worked extremely well for the buyer. Oh, yeah. And well for the seller, too. And mm-hmm. They were a, a, a business that was selling the property, mm-hmm. and they knew what they were doing. They got exactly what they wanted, and the buyer mm-hmm. came out smelling like a rose. Oh, yes, yes. That was an awesome deal. You know, I learned about lease options about 30 years ago. I got a videotape series from a gentleman named Carlton Sheets. I don't know if you ever heard of Carlton Sheets. Yes, absolutely. You probably weren't born yet, Alicia, when Carlton Sheets was (laughs) around. That may be. But Carlton – Just say yes. (laughs) What Carlton said was when you do a lease option, you do it with all of the advantages on your side of the table. And that's what he essentially taught me on the series is how to write a lease option contract so all the benefits are on your side. I mean I pitied the guy on the other side of the table. That's, that's going to do the other side of the deal because if he doesn't have any kind of representation or anybody looking out after him, it's not going to be such a good deal. Yeah, and actually I have a question, Alicia, on lease options because I, I do have people that come to me and ask questions about them. And I virtually always encourage them to record the lease option on the property. Is that correct to to expect that to happen? And, and my thinking is I don't want the – uh, seller to encumber that property more than they have at the time, you know, if it's encumbered at all. But what do you think about that? Uh, well, I mean, if you're the tenant, yes, absolutely. It's to your benefit to have it recorded for the reasons that you stated. Mm. Um, however, if you are the lessor and the owner of the property, you may have concerns that that's going to trigger the deed of trust clause that says that due this on is sale. due on sale. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. So you, there's, there's a little bit of tension there where, I mean, I always tell people – I have yet to come across a situation where the lender who holds the deed of trust is searching the records and has found a lease option agreement and then forecloses. I mean, I just don't think it happens. Um, But it's there. It's out there. It's a public record. And that makes some sellers nervous and they don't want to do it for that reason. Um, I don't think you have to record it, but it does prevent – it effectively prevents the seller from selling the property to somebody else. Right. Right. And and just ignoring your lease option. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have more conversation about lease options and about the legal ramifications of getting into investment real estate with our in-studio guests. In the studio today, we have Lou Carr, who's the branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. And Alicia Johnson is with us. She's the principal at Johnson Law Practice. We'll be back with more after this message. This is Melissa Palangi from King Bee Construction. You're listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. Peter Padilla is important to me because he's always bringing experts together. Peter Padilla is a marketing expert. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. 
Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trained specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. This is Shanna Roski from North American Title. You're listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. Peter Padilla is important to me because he cares about our community and helping businesses in our area. Peter Padilla is a fantastic person. Thank you, Peter. You're tuned in to 1060 AM Radio, KFOI, the Lotus Broadcast Station in Northern Nevada. We're in our 10th year of broadcasting our radio program helping people every day accomplish their goals of getting a great deal on a real estate transaction. It doesn't matter whether you're a buyer or a seller. You need to have some guidance in today's complex real estate environment. There are lots of government regulation on all sides of the transaction. Then you have varying interest rates, different kinds of loan programs, and there's also government assistance programs for many people that can buy primary residence. And as we've talked about before, many times that primary residence will become your first investment property. We have industry experts in the studio too today to help us guide us in the decisions we make. Lou Carr is with us. He's the branch manager of Summit Funding. Lou, talk to us a little bit about the government down payment assistance programs that are available, or some of them anyway. I would love to. Yeah, Yeah, Peter, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, uh, We have... Several programs available right now, and I should say the the most um, predominant programs would be available from uh, two specific sources, one called the Nevada Housing Division, uh, and the second being uh, Nevada Rural Housing. And both of those programs, there are some slight variances in the two programs, but for the most part, they are uh, coupled with either an FHA loan or uh, perhaps a VA or USDA loan. Um, FHA loans require a 3.5% down payment. These grant programs will grant, grant meaning you don't have to pay the money back, up to 5%, which could cover that 3.5% down payment on FHA. Mm -hmm. And then VA and USDA uh, uh, do not require any down payment. So in those cases, you could use those grants to pay the closing costs mm. and perhaps get into a transaction, get into a home with really very little or no money out of your pocket. It's pretty outstanding. I know the way you guys operate over at Summit Funding, Lou. In fact, I know that some people have even dealt with your company. 
they can literally get in with zero dollars when they walk into that home. It's just an amazing right. thing that can be pulled off if, of course, everybody's got the guidelines in order, the credit is there, the employment is steady. But it can be done. You can many times buy a home with no money down and no money out of your pocket walking in that brand new house. It really right. Do you remember all those guidelines? Peter? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, and actually, uh, to extend that past, the government loan products are um, conventional Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac mm-hmm. um, um Loan programs actually now allow for down payment assistance, and 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 I shouldn't say they allow for it. Uh, the down payment programs will now allow their grant programs behind conventional financing, so we can do it on on conventional FHA, VA, USDA. It's really, uh, it's really pretty awesome. Yeah, and what I like about Summit Funding too, Lou, is that you guys just do one thing. Mortgage loans, right? You don't have a right. drive-through. You don't have a savings account, checking no account. Checking, no checking. I want savings. a safety deposit box. Some, that, that's, <laughs> that's not right. possible, is it? You want me to hold that for you? I could hold it for you. <laughs> no, you guys focus on mortgages. That's why you're so good at it because that's your specialty, and you get it done. Uh, licensed in Nevada only, California? In California, yes. Yeah. My, I have uh, myself and one other uh, loan officer in my office is licensed in California, and the rest of us are in Nevada. It was always fun when I was in the business to talk to people that are coming to Nevada from California or buying a second home or an investment property because they could see the value, the big difference in prices from one state to the other. Is that still going on? Is that still pretty much the case? Absolutely, yes. A little bit on the investor side. That's slowed down quite a bit. But we absolutely still have migrating migrating retirees and and just people that that want to – uh, you know, no, no, uh, nothing against California, but want to migrate into a little bit slower uh, community and a little bit more spread out mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not as much traffic. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to this area. It is. It's a great place to be. And that's why we're here in northern Nevada. I tell people it's like living in California without having to live in California. That's it's right. that close. You know? <laughs> and closer to Tahoe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Also with us today, Alicia Johnson. Johnson Law Practice is the name of her company. Alicia, you were telling me that you went to Gonzaga. I did. Great basketball team up there. Yes, they do. What a fun, fun team it is to watch every year during the uh, March Madness. March Madness, yes. It's just – I I root for them because I consider them semi-local, and they always have so much energy there. I bet that was a big fun thing that you uh, were able to – it was. I was there when they went to the Elite Eight yeah. for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was it was so much fun, and it was crazy on campus. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and, and good crazy because it's a good Catholic school. You know, people didn't get riots or anything like that, uh-huh. but it was just fun, and there was media at the school every day asking uh-huh. crazy questions to the students and it was it was a really fun atmosphere, and as a result, now I'm a huge fan. So awesome, awesome. My name is Peter Padilla. I'm your host on Nevada Real Estate Radio, and we're enjoying our conversation with industry experts every day, because more and more people want to own their own home or want to own investment real estate. It seems like when it's easy to buy a home, like when prices are way down, when the demand is down, a lot of people don't have any money. Then suddenly the prices take off, the economy starts to recover, and the money seems to come out of the woodwork. I remember, Lou, people were buying homes for cash, which disappointed me greatly being (laughs) in the mortgage industry. But people were actually buying homes for cash because the prices were so low and there were were so many homes available. The opportunities were there. So if you had cash, like always, cash is king. 
What's it like now? Are you seeing any cash come into the play? No, the, uh, the, and actually we talked about this at the uh, uh, investor group meeting last night. The cash transactions are way down. Um, I think that, that um, we have more, more first-time home buyers in the market mm-hmm. who typically will need financing. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, just, just more, more move-up buyers who are using financing. Uh, but the cash buyers have, have – I think we've kind of gotten to the point where they – unless somebody has money that they specifically want to put into real estate and they just want to find a piece of property, mm-hmm. I think most of the opportunistic cash buyers have, have uh, maybe already purchased. Maybe they already have. Alicia Johnson from Johnson Law Practice. In your dealings with clients involving real estate, do you find that there's a likelihood that even if it, there's a cash deal, that there can be some legal action required on the transactions? What, what kind of things can happen if you go ahead and do a cash transaction? Uh, yes, there can. I mean, there's regardless of how a, a property is being purchased, there can always be issues that arise out of the property. Uh, for example, if there's a defect and it wasn't disclosed properly, mm-hmm. um, you know, or uh, you know that it just doesn't close. Mm-hmm. You know, the, when, the, for whatever when, reason, the the seller backs out. Mm-hmm. Um, when you or say the buyer backs out, when you say defect, you mean title defect or. I think a lot of people would think a home defect, like the foundation or something. You're thinking more title, the history of the property. It could be either. Um, mm. I mean, typically you see the the construction defect mm. more more often than you see a title defect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly can have title defects, and I've dealt with those as well, where af- after you close, somebody tries to go and refinance, and they discover – there's something wrong with the legal description mm-hmm. and the title company they used went out of business. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I literally just dealt with that. So certainly mm-hmm. d- title defects can, can happen. Um, and there can also be non-disclosure issues on the, on the seller side for, um, you know, a variety of things that could be wrong with the house. Sometimes when I'm talking with people that are looking to buy a home, it seems that more and more they're saying things like, I want to buy a house, but I want to make sure that it doesn't have a homeowner's association. And I ask them why. I kind of know why. But they say, well, you know, we don't want to be tied down to the codes of the paint color or the fencing or, you know, whatever. We're going to park a vehicle on the lawn, whatever the case may be. But more often than not, it's because people talk about something called super liens. So do you, can you talk to us a little bit about <laughs> super liens, uh, what the challenges are when you have homeowners associations? Sure. This is a really interesting area of the law that has um, had major developments in the last year. Um, the HOA has a uh, what's called a super priority lien so that if you stop paying your HOA dues, um, they can lien your property with those dues and foreclose on the lien. Even if you're current on your mortgage? Even if you're current on your mortgage. And they actually, you know, whoever shows up at that sale – whether it's it reverts to the HOA or somebody shows up and buys the property at that sale, you've now lost the property. And and this has happened to people where they haven't gotten proper notice. All of a sudden, somebody's knocking on their door, telling them that they have three days to move out, um, and total shock to them because well, I'm current with my mortgage. What are mm-hmm. you talking about? What do you mean there's been a foreclosure? So this absolutely has happened. Um, and the interesting thing that's come out uh, in the last year, this actually came out a year ago last September, is the Supreme Court in Nevada said that that super priority lien, if it is foreclosed upon, actually wipes out 
any mortgage that precedes that the recording of that lien, which to me is just insane. Um, <laughs> I like <laughs> I, it. <laughs> I was absolutely shocked when I when that because I knew there were several cases moving through the courts that mm. were going to go up to the Supreme Court, and it was unsettled. Um, but I, I kept telling everyone, I really don't think they're going to come down that way. And when they did, it, it really surprised me. That's un- that's unbelievable to think that if you don't pay your HOA dues, somebody could foreclose on you. And if you're out of town, you're on vacation, you travel to China, you come back, your home's been sold, the mortgage, the bank's not going to get the money, right? Because Correct. that wipes out that lien. And whoever bought it for paying off maybe a few months or a year of HOA dues now owns your home. It's just unbelievable to think that that could happen. Yeah, and it has. And I've had people call me with that issue. So it has happened. Does this, is this just in Nevada or is, it, is this something that could occur in other states? So th- this is just in Nevada, but I do know that there are major lobbying groups for the homeowners associations across the United States that lobby for these types of laws to be in place mm-hmm. in various states. So I, don't, I can't comment on other states, but I do know that they are pushing to get these things passed in other states and probably have been successful. So you made a comment when you were talking about that, that perhaps they weren't notified correctly by the HOA or by whomever, I assume an attorney maybe was handling the foreclosure. So what happens if they didn't notify everybody correctly? I bet you go to court, Louis. I'm thinking that too, but I'd like to (laughs) – Alicia's going to give us more information. (laughs) Well, Peter is exactly right. If they didn't give you proper notice, then you do have some legal recourse um, and you would file a lawsuit to basically undo the foreclosure. Mm -hmm. um, And it would be a wrongful foreclosure, which is a tort. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can bring that action. And if you can prove that they didn't actually give you the right notice, then uh, you could be successful in in overturning that. So then the person who perhaps purchased the property on the courthouse steps, they would be given their funds back? Correct. So the uh, the HOA would then have to refund what was paid to them by that person. Um, And sometimes they they buy um, a foreclosure guarantee from a title company and um, as long as they did everything the title company told them to do under the, the litigation or the foreclosure guarantee, then the title company may be on the hook to pay that money back. Yeah, because you've got potentially some other things that go on. If I buy that property on the foreclosure steps and now I turn around and I want to sell it quickly, you know, I assume that somebody, you know, maybe you as the attorney, you might file a Liz Pendens on a piece of property to prevent them from doing anything else. But if that doesn't get done in a timely fashion, there may be some unraveling that has to take place. Absolutely. Yeah. I would wow. think, Lou, that if you have a purchase in mind and there's an HOA involved, this might be one of those instances where having a legal expert on your side to uh, to call if you need is going to be a great idea. Yeah, talk to Alicia ahead of time. That's right. Yeah, I think is what you're saying. <laughs> Alicia, give us your best contact information at Johnson Law Practice in case anybody does want to call it. Okay. My phone number is 775-737-9927. Excellent. We've got all of your contact information, too, on our website. That way people can find you easily if they need to make that call. Okay. And we're going to continue our conversation with more on Nevada Real Estate Radio after this message from our sponsors. 
Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trainer specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. This is Alicia Johnson from Reno, Nevada. You are listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. Peter Padilla is important to me because he is a highly knowledgeable individual about real estate in Northern Nevada. Thank you, Peter. I'm having a good time here talking with two outstanding guests in the studio. We have in the off in the studio Alicia Johnson. She's a lawyer. She's an attorney at Johnson Law Practice. I hope you're enjoying being here with us today. It's been great, Peter. Thank you. Right. We're enjoying talking with you too because you really know your stuff. Let's face it. You know you've got to really be focused on one element of the attorney business, just like you have to do with one element of the mortgage business to really call yourself an expert. I've had conversations with many attorneys. And Alicia, they really don't know anything about real estate. They know how to chase an ambulance. They know about personal injury. They might know about divorces. And there's so much to do. I mean, you have to really do that. What made you decide that real estate was what you wanted to focus on? In some ways, it sort of fell in my lap. Um, but I, I was drawn to it in law school. I enjoyed those classes. I thought they were so fascinating, the way real estate law has developed over time. Mm-hmm. And um, the decisions that have been, you know, have come down and formed our laws today with regard to, you know, things like eminent domain, um, easements, that kind of thing. And so I did enjoy it in law school. And then I um, happened to be fortunate enough to practice it right out of law school mm-hmm. uh, with an attorney, an experienced older attorney who uh, had done a lot of real estate law. And so um, I was able to really focus on it when I was working for him. And that kind of started me off on that path. I was excited after I met you because I thought I'm going to bring somebody new to the radio program to introduce him to introduce her to our other guests. I mentioned to Lou that you were coming. He said, oh, yeah, I know Alicia. Lou, <laughs> how do you know all these people? Well, I don't know. I, I go to some of the functions like the one we went to last <laughs> night, the real estate investor group. Another little uh, thing about Alicia, because we've known each other for a few months and, and you know, really kind of gotten to know each other's business a little bit better. Um, and I can relate to this because my wife is in the mortgage business. So when we go home at night, you know, 
and start telling our tales of the day. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Of course, it, it extends the work day too sometimes. But um, but Alicia's husband is also an attorney. Mm. So um, she and I have kind of talked about that, you know, and, and how you end up extending the day. But, but it's also great because she gets a whole new perspective on a lot of different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a lot of history doing what she does, uh, you know, for, I think, corporations. And, and, and then her husband also, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have some interesting conversations in the evenings. Well, it's nice to know that you can talk about your work when you go home. I know a lot, Sometimes. Of, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, when they go home, they don't want to talk about the other right. person's work because yeah. it's too stressful or they don't know anything about it. But when you have that kind of relationship, I think it's good because you can uh, you can actually feel good about what you do and in your personal life and your work life, they kind of blend together. If it's all good, it's all good. Right. And, and both industries, um, being an attorney and being a mortgage lender, um, you guys talked about it a little bit earlier, it can be very emotional. Um, it can be very stressful, I know, in both of those businesses because people are relying on you. You yeah. know, it takes a month or five weeks to do a loan transaction. And, you know, we go, oh, gee, it's just 30 days, you know. But the the buyer is going to sleep every night for 30 <clears throat> days, you know, wondering, I wonder if these guys are going to give me a loan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, the, you know, I'm sure, Alicia, you see transactions or not transactions, but cases that could go on for a year or two. And so people... You get wrapped up in daily stuff, and it's it can be stressful. So it you is know. it is extremely stressful at times. Um, fortunately, that's not all the time. But there are cases right. that you know can really create issues of stress in your yeah. life. And yeah. my husband and I always talk about how it's just downloading. You get home and you just have to download all the information, so it's just not swimming around in your head anymore. But right. yeah. but, but on the on the other side of that. When you solve that problem and when you bring a solution to it that, you know, really – because, you know, the ideal situation I think in most cases I've heard anyway. I'm not an attorney. But is when everybody's kind of a little bit upset, then you probably, you know, got in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. But when you resolve some of those cases, I bet it's very gratifying. It is extremely gratifying. I had a case earlier this year uh, where there was uh, basically competing buyers for a property um, in Reno. Well, it wasn't in Reno, just outside of Reno. And um, what happened was, is my client um, had it was under contract, um, and there was a contingency on his home, his home selling mm-hmm. in California. He's moving here from California, like we were talking about earlier. Lots of people move in here from California. Um, and the sellers all of a sudden said, oh, you're out of contract and we get to sell this to whoever we want and entered into another contract with somebody else. And basically we're given what I consider bad advice by the realtor um, that they were able to do that and they weren't. And he was still in contract. And we that went back and forth for a long time, but we did finally um, resolve it. And my client was able to close on the property. And he was absolutely thrilled because yeah. it was a very unique property and he wasn't going to find anything like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had his heart set on it. So that yeah. those kinds of things are very rewarding because you see, you know, you really made a difference in somebody's life. You're somebody's hero. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what a great feeling that is. Yeah. Alicia, earlier you mentioned something about eminent domain. A lot of people don't even know what it is. Could you explain to us what that is? Sure, of course. Um, so eminent domain occurs when the government has a need or requirement 
it has to be specifically for very certain areas. For example, that you need to put in a road and that road is necessary and for the better of basically the public and society, um, we have to have that road. And so the government will go through the process. There's a very strict process to go through to condemn those houses. And a lot of times what happens is the homeowner will, will come to an agreement with the government on the value because they're entitled to the fair market value of their home. Mm-hmm. But if not, then the government will have to file a lawsuit, essentially an eminent domain lawsuit against that homeowner. Uh, and then the court will determine what the fair market value is, especially if the both parties are de- you know mm-hmm. fighting over it. And um, you know each side will get their chance mm-hmm. to present evidence on what the fair market value of the home is. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it comes out of, it's very, very old law, um, comes all the way from England over to here. It originally came from when there were fires, big fires in in London, where they would actually burn down houses to stop the fire. And they would, and then they would have to compensate those homeowners for those houses that they had to burn down in order to basically put an end to the fire. There was a Supreme Court decision that came out several years ago um, in a case uh, in the on the East Coast where the government basically said um, we want to condemn all these houses because we want to uh, we want to put businesses in here. We want to clear out this whole area. It's it's a bad area. We're going to clear it out. We're going to put in all these you know, shopping centers and mm-hmm. businesses. And that and and the homeowner said, hey, that's not what eminent domain law is all about. And they it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, nope, government can do it. It's economic purpose, Um, which is really scary. And and as a result, Nevada actually amended its constitution to protect its citizens against that kind of Mm -hmm. taking. And and so we have stricter laws in Nevada than than the United than anywhere else in the United States. So it is great to talk to you, Alicia, because you are so knowledgeable about the business. really enjoy what you're doing and you don't look like an attorney i mean you don't have the big robe you don't have the, the white hair you know you're i, I think just that's don't think, a judge Peter. well <laughs> so, yeah. or a barrister over in england they do the wigs and the robes over there i've got more questions for you alicia uh well actually alicia made a comment um, a little bit earlier about about you purchase a home and you buy title insurance, you purchase title insurance, which protects your position in the property, mm-hmm. and then they go out of business. I would love to know what happens there because I know people that buy title insurance and I want to know. All right. Yeah. We, and the question I have is about homesteading. So I know that a lot of people, when they buy a home, they might hear from a friend or a family member that you should put this home in a homestead. So, Alicia, you can cover that for us when we come back? Absolutely. All right. We'll be back after this message. This is Alan Zane from Atlas Red Realty. You are listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. Peter Padilla is important to me because he actually takes the time to do an interview. Peter Padilla is a longtime friend, mentor, and I love him. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? 
Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trainer specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. Hi, this is Dan Ryder, Broker Manager at Nevada Home Connections. I'm on Nevada's Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. Next week, right here on KFOY, 1060 AM Radio. Tune in next Wednesday at 1 p.m. for this fun and informative program about real estate investing. Tune in next week, right here on KFOY, 1060 AM Radio. You're tuned in to Nevada Real Estate Radio, and this is Peter Padilla, your host, and I'm very happy to be with you today on a very nice fall, moving into winter day. Lou Carr is with us. He's the branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. What's your team look like over at Summit Funding? Well, well our branch, we have um, four loan officers. We've got uh, a, a what we call a loan manager that really processes the file. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, loan partners, nine of us total now. And everybody uh, uh, handles their function of the transaction. And uh, it's really, uh, uh, we kind of see it as a, a little machine just cranking through the loans. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome what you guys do. One of the things I like about the work you do at Summit Funding and the company is that Summit Funding is easy in the sense that it is a maneuverable company. Talk to our listeners a little bit about how that's different from the big network banks that you see across the country. I'd love to. Thank you. And and we are. We are not the biggest mortgage banker. Um, Summit Funding is owned by a gentleman named Todd Screma. He is one of the most dynamic people you would ever meet. And I think the biggest benefit to Summit Funding is that when programs come out, and, and we focus on the purchase market more than, than most companies do because we believe that's the foundation for the mortgage business and mm-hmm. the real estate business. So if a program becomes available, let's say we talked earlier about Nevada Rural Housing and they have a grant program to help people buy homes. When that program becomes available, Summit Funding looks into that, and if Todd Screma says, we're going to do that program, Mm -hmm. then we sign up and we do that program. Uh, Many mortgage bankers are much larger than that, and they have – you know, a board of directors and, and you know, the, the whole corporate structure. And I, quite frankly, it could take a month to six months to a year for them to decide to do that program. Um, we, are, we are big enough to be, to be able to handle the compliance and all the, the, the um, uh, nuts and bolts of, of creating mortgage loans. We're a direct seller servicer to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and Ginny Mae, but yet we are 
uh, medium size, so we're very nimble. We can adapt to the marketplace and and be available and help people buy homes. That's really what it's all about. Is is, and it's one of the greatest parts of our business. Is we change people's lives by helping them buy homes when they didn't think they could. Yes, yes. So Summit Funding doesn't have to respond or be sensitive to what Wall Street's going to think about what they do, the kind of loans that they package, how they package them. Uh, it's just about getting uh, clo- loans closed and making sure they're offering the best products for the consumer. We do have to pay attention to what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac say about, you know, and, and they put out their own guidelines. Sure. Same with FHA and VA. So we do have to pay attention to those guidelines and we have to be responsible lenders. Mm-hmm. We have to lend money to people that we fully believe will make all the payments on the mortgage. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of responsibility behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, we don't get to make our own choices. We get to do what our boss wants to do and what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac allow. A lot of people don't remember the mortgage meltdown. People forgot that many of the big banks in the country went out of business. Thousands and thousands of them. Right. They shut down. They consolidated. They were taken over. Summit funding kept on charging. That was what was so awesome to see that happen. Just sitting there doing good (laughs) loans and and moving forward. Yes, I actually worked for – uh, company Washington Mutual is one of the largest in the in the world, mm. and they're no longer. And, yeah. and Summit Funding still there cranking out loans. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So I'm glad that you're here with us, Lou, today because we have a great guest also in the studio. We have Alicia Johnson, Johnson Law Practice. And when we were going into the break, we both have something we want to talk to her about. I want to talk about homesteading in, right. in Nevada because people ask me about that. And your question was? Uh, well, uh, she had mentioned that, that let's say I'm a buyer uh, of a piece of property and I'm going to live in that property. I'm going to stay there and retire and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy title insurance. I'm going to buy or, or my, maybe my seller is going to buy me an owner's title insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I hadn't thought about it before, but you know, 10 years down the road, what if that title insurance company goes out of business? What, what happens to my title insurance? Well, unfortunately, you don't have title insurance if your company has gone out of business. Wow. Um, however, I do believe, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I ha- my understanding is that um, the title insurances companies have reinsurance. Um, and so it may be an option that you can look and see, you know, who is insuring the title company um, and go pursue a claim against mm. that company. Because a lot mm-hmm. of insurance companies <clears throat> across the United States, just yeah. not just title have what's called reinsurance and right. it's basically right. insurance for the insurance company. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of that yeah. too. In fact, I I, too, I, yeah. a company, uh, one of the companies I think I've heard about, Lewis Fidelity, that insures another. Yeah. Another reinsurance in- company. Yeah. And I am not an insurance person, so I, I can't speak to it uh, firsthand. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, if you <laughs> if your company gets to a point where you know, they have to have coverage if a, a large disaster happens. They have to have a lot of money to yeah. to handle. And if they get to the point where their coverage is not great enough and they still want to sell more insurance policies, they basically turn to someone else and say, we would like you to reinsure this portion of our insurance portfolio, mm. and then we can go on and create more new business. So it kind of takes some of that burden off of them. And, and yeah, and Alicia, maybe you know more about how that works. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. I only know it in the that Vegas terms, sense. but yeah. I do believe that is a potential off, um, 
you know, option for those who who had, went with a title company that went out of business. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other issue is that you may have nothing wrong with your title. Correct. Chances are you have your title's perfectly fine. Especially um, if it's gone maybe 10 or 15 years or so and nothing yeah. is and, has and come then up. Yeah. worst case scenario, you can do what's called a quiet title action if there is a flaw on your title and you can't find the people to go back and fix it. So you would file what's called a quiet title action with the court. Um, you give notice to everybody you're supposed to give notice to, including by publication, um, and then you get a judgment. The judgment is then recorded, and now you have good title. And I remember you telling me just a month or two ago about a case you were working on there. I don't know if we're going to have time today, but if we do, maybe we could bring that up, Peter. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next question, which was about homesteading. Sure. So talk to our listeners about what homesteading means and who can get it, what kind of benefits you get. Sure, Peter. Uh, So homesteading uh, is a very simple thing to do. Uh, There are forms at the recorder's office, Washoe County Recorder's office. You sign it, say it's your primary residence and have it notarized. You get it recorded. Your home is now homesteaded. Um, but what does that mean? Uh, what, what it means is that if you have a, a judgment creditor, so for example, you get in a car accident and it's your fault and your insurance doesn't cover it all and you get a $100,000 judgment against you, um, that judgment creditor holding that judgment cannot foreclose on your home because you have now homesteaded it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, so, and you get that up to $500,000 in equity in Nevada. Um, And I've actually seen this work where I have been chasing people who are debtors and um, I'm trying to get a judgment paid for my client. And they have a beautiful $400,000 home that they're selling um, and they have homesteaded it. They can just simply take those proceeds, make sure they homestead their new home that they purchase, and you can't touch anything as a Mm. judgment creditor. Mm -hmm. So it can be a very useful tool as a home buyer. Mm -hmm. It can be a useful tool if you have judgments against you and you're trying to hide your money (laughs) in in real estate, (laughs) um, which is what O.J. Simpson famously did in Florida, where they have no limit on equity in your home (laughs) for a homestead. Mm. Um, And so that's that's the benefit of the homestead. Um, A lot of people get confused and they think, oh, was that? protects me against my first mortgage or my second mortgage. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with that. Those, yeah. those mortgage companies have a lien on your property and can foreclose if you don't pay it. But in general, it's a pretty good idea to do that on your primary residence. Yes, absolutely. If you live in Nevada and take advantage of that, it's a little bit extra protection, right? Correct. If Hopefully you'll never need that. But if you do, it's nice to know that it's there. And it's not an expensive process either. No. I, the recording fee, I believe, is $15. sounds like a pretty good value. In your opinion, are there any downsides to homesteading your property? None. Lou, we do have time. You have one more question for our guest, Alicia Uh, Johnson. Well, and, and, you know, without bringing up any names or anything, Alicia, you were telling me about a a transaction or you had a gal that you were trying to do a quiet title on and she had an issue. Um, Has that been resolved now? It it has been resolved, but it was interesting. I had never seen this happen before where uh, prior to my client buying the property, the legal description had been altered by a previous seller who had accepted, they had basically tried to do a boundary line adjustment by accepting a foot of land along one of the borders. And, uh, you know, nobody picked up on it, including her title company when she bought the property. Um, And then she went to go try to refinance and the, the title company said, we can't insure this property because the legal description is wrong. 
and it's an invalid boundary line adjustment. And so what we ended up having to do is go back to two sellers and fix the legal description along the way. And so fortunately, we were able to contact those people and get them to sign quick claim deeds and that kind of thing to fix yeah. it. But if we couldn't, we would have had to file that quiet title action. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing yeah. the things that you have to, to, to juggle. Can, can you imagine a, a one-foot difference on a, on a boundary on a piece of property and all of a sudden you potentially have a piece of property you can't sell? Yeah. And so that's where that experience comes in and just being able to – I'm sure that that – that person was very happy when you got that result. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's a, it's a long road to success, but yeah, <laughs> right. you got to do what you have to do. That's where a legal expert comes to play. Alicia, I'm glad you came to visit with us today. Hope you enjoyed being here. Maybe you'll come back sometime soon. Absolutely. I had a fabulous time. It was great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And again, in case anybody needs to reach you, what's the best way? You can call me at 775-737-9927. You can also visit my website, which is johnsonlawreno.com. johnsonlawreno.com. We'll put that on our website, too. Make it easy for people to get a hold of you. Great. Thank you. Lou, thanks for being with us today. You bet, Peter. Um, I have said it before, and I'll say it again. Every time I'm on your show, I learn something new, and I've been in this business for a little while, so thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Christmas is around the corner. I'll give you my gift list I, here before yeah, too long. That'll yeah, be and I need your mailing address, too. You can give that to us on the on the air, can't you? I can do that. You can reach us here <laughs> at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. Thanks, Lou. You're very welcome, Peter. Thank you. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Also, we're on the air every week, same time, same station. Tell your friends so they can tune in too. get great real estate advice. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to peter at nevadarealestateradio.com. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. We're fully insured and bonded. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK.